0: Sorry guys, I never get the bumper video. It's always awkward. I really need to start preaching in Acts. I will next time because, you know, we're going to be in it a while. But I thought I'd give you a little gift and take a break. So here we are. Let me just get situated. It's a whole situation. Um, How are you guys doing? Cool. Good, good. All right. Here we are. I'm a little tired. Anyone at the Lauren Daigle concert last night? Just I went with my in-laws and I was out way past my bedtime, like four hours past my bedtime. So, got my water, might need to take a nap up here, but uh, let's get to it. So, I was a really weird kid. I mean, the introverted ones kind of are, they just are. Uh, you know, when I wasn't collecting troll dolls or sorting my Skittles by color or trying to get to Narnia through the closet in our downstairs bedroom, Uh, I was stuffing food wrappers and flowers into clearly Canadian bottles and then putting them on my shelf as artwork. Super weird. I also did this weird thing. When my parents would send me like to family and friends' house in the summer for an extended period of time during the holidays, the night before I left, I would sneak around the house leaving little notes everywhere for my hosts to find long after I had departed. So I'd put them like under a plate or in the salad bowls or wrapped up in the dog leash. And uh, it was really weird because it would be like, I would refer to something funny that happened, like a callback to something funny that happened while I was visiting them. Um, Or other notes would be like, maybe like a note of thanks or something like, like an assertion, like, I bet you miss me. For them to find, like, you know, three weeks after I had been there. Um, And, you know, I'm not sure if I did this because I was afraid of being forgotten, if I was intent, even as a young kid, at having the last word, or if I was just delighted that I could, like, surprise people and make them think I'm clever without even being in the room. Um, But whatever it is, it's honestly kind of a weird quirk that I've carried into adulthood. So, while I no longer like run around like some maniacal elf on the shelf when I leave somebody's home, I will still, on occasion, uh, leave a note. Usually it's a note of thanks, or maybe it's something completely snarky or funny. Um, but I leave these notes before I head to the airport. And uh, I don't know. Therapists could maybe tell me why I do this. <laughs> Anyone in the room? Um, but, you know, this strange habit of mine, it, it does explain, I think, in part why I have thought more than is probably healthy about what I want my actual last words to be before I die. I've given this a lot of thought, too much thought. I've thought, you know what, they can't be too basic. They can't be too obvious. They can't be overly sentimental. They need to be inspiring, but not in like a Hobby Lobby wall art kind of way. (laughs) They should be long enough to make an impact but short enough to be engraved on a memorial bench overlooking the Pacific Ocean, or maybe like on my kid's forearms, so that would be pretty cool. (laughs) Um, You know, they they need to be endearing without being, well, enduring without being too endearing so that by extension, maybe I will endure too. So here's the thing, like this is like a lot of pressure and it's admittedly like a weird, morbid thing to obsess over. Um, And so after overthinking it for years, um, it really wasn't until I was in the room when my dad died and and went to heaven that my last words kind of clicked into place. And so I've been thinking about them a lot lately um, as we've been following Paul around through the book of Acts. You know, as Ryan has taken us from city to city where Paul traveled telling people about Jesus um, and getting himself thrown in jail and getting the snot kicked out of him over and over and over again, I have been struck really every week um, just by how unfazed and undeterred Paul is because of his confidence in what he had seen and heard and experienced of Jesus. Jesus. So I've been reminded that, you know, if given the chance to say a few words in my final hours on this earth before slipping through the veil to heaven, I would want them to be these. Live like it's all true. Live like it's all true. After I die, I want anyone who knew or loved me to go on living like God is real and heaven is coming, like everything that is recorded and instructed and promised in the Bible is true. You know, I don't want anyone I know or love to get to heaven and look around and go, oh, dang. Like, if I had known that all of this was really, really true, I would have spent my life differently. Instead, I want them to pull a pall, as it were, and to live like it's all true now, to live like it's all true and cause some serious trouble for hell as they do. The catch here, though, is that if I want this for other people, if I want people to live like this after I'm gone, I probably better be living like it's all true now. And so as I've asked myself, well, Kristen, are you? Are you living like it? I thought maybe it would be fun to turn that into a group question. (laughs) So I'm going to ask the class today, are we, Genesis, living like it's all true? And if we're not, what are a few things we can do to get back on track? So before I begin, I want to acknowledge that each of us in this room is in a different place on the spectrum between it's all debatable and it's all true, right? Some of us are really, really confident in it. Some of us, we're just not. We have a lot of questions. Some of us have been really confident at one point in our lives and have kind of backslid to thinking, ah, I don't know about this. I look around the world and I just don't know. So all of us are in a different place on the spectrum, but I believe that those of us here and watching online, we all want to believe that it's all true, right? We... We want to believe that God is madly, madly in love with us, that he created us to be in relationship with him, but then we sinned and screwed it up and we made it weird. And so then Jesus had to come and make it right to live the life that we couldn't live and die the death that we deserved and raise himself from the dead in victory over sin, Satan, and death. We want to believe all of that is true. So how do we get from wanting to believe it's all true to living like it actually is? I'm going to share four things that God has put on my heart over the last couple of months around this. And, you know, this is not exhaustive by any means, but I hope that at least one of these things will help you kind of shake off any cobwebs that you may have building up um, around your faith so that we can get back to, or maybe even start for the first time living like what god has promised is true so if you've got your YouVersion app bible app you can pull that out grab your bible you can follow along we're going to kind of be all over the place today because you know we've been in acts and it's fun to kind of journey elsewhere right so that's what we're going to do all right so as you may have seen by the message graphic the first thing we need to do to become like children or we need to become like children If you're new to the Bible, um, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are referred to as the Gospels. And they tell the good news about Jesus' birth and his life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection. And in them, we often see Jesus referring to welcoming and commending children in front of his first followers. In Matthew 18, after the disciples came to Jesus, they, well, they they were were sitting around and they they came to Jesus and they asked him, because they were fighting with each other, um, you know, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the child over to him and, and put the child among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn your turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Which begs the question, what are children like? You know, by and large, they are humble, they're teachable, they're typically not prideful or cynical or arrogant. They're dependent, curious, and they're expectant. And the people in your life who live like it's true, you you would know that they share these qualities also. Another time as recorded in two of the other gospels in Mark and in Luke. Some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could lay hands on them and bless them. And the disciples were scolding the parents for bothering Jesus. Like, Jesus, you have other things to do. You don't need to be doing this, right? And Jesus was, got real upset. <laughs> He's like, don't stop them. Let them come to me, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. In Luke 18, it says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So how does a child receive a gift? You know, Christmas is coming. Think back, you know, to the kids you've had maybe around your tree. How do they receive a gift? My experience has been with zeal and just unbridled joy, right? And that is the type of joyful authenticity we should have. It should be a hallmark as our faith, as we receive God's grace, Of Christ, God's gift of grace in Christ. You know, we shouldn't take that gift for granted or criticize the wrapping paper or reconstruct the gift into something it was never meant to be or even have one eye under the tree looking for something more. People who live like God is real and heaven is coming become like excitable little kids again. You know, they're like, all right, God, what am I gonna do today? Where are we going? Can I come too? You know, what what are you going to do? Oh, wow, I can't believe you did that. That was so cool. Are we there yet? Like, they're just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? And so when we become like children, we're able to live like it's all true because we regain our wonder. And boy, could the world ever use some more wonder right now. You know, one thing that is really Sad to me um, is that I know a lot of people who have walked away from the church and from their faith in the last several years, um, many for some understandable reasons, right? Like there is a brokenness and an unhealth and division in churches all across this country. But the thing that really makes me sad and makes me frustrated is that a lot of these people have not made their way back to healthier thriving communities and there is rarely like a Sunday that goes by that Ryan and I don't say to each other like they're missing out (laughs) they're missing out on what God is doing in and through the faith communities in the city and around the world with leaders who are honestly and humbly trying to help people know God and walk with Jesus and give him away the hot take could come in at you right now, but I am sorry if de-churching and deconstruction and cynicism are in vogue these days and that remaining committed to a thriving community of changing lives, changing lives is seen as childish, childish, but I refuse to miss out on what God is doing in and through the local church because I am standing outside with my arms crossed like I know better. I would rather be that weird, naive little kid in the front row who is wrong about all of it than the person standing in the back or outside or nowhere near here who is cynical. We need more people. Who are going to humble themselves and be like children. Now listen, I am not saying that we cannot ask hard questions of God. He can take them. We can. Have you ever met a child? That's all they do. That's all they do is ask questions. But if we are going to be grown-ups who live like it's all true, we have to find a way to humble ourselves like children and recognize that maybe our good, good father has good, good plans for us after all. And we know And we know those plans. Well, we can't know, actually. We can't know those plans. Or live confidently out of our identity as God's children if we bail on our Bibles and our churches and our prayer lives because the cynics and the skeptics were the loudest voices in the room. Stop it, okay? Stop it. It's like Ryan said the other day. I know we're talking about kids, but you got to grow up and get on mission. Heaven is coming, God is real, and there's just not a lot of time to make sure that Everyone we know and love and meet can can get there too and go, whoa, this is awesome. All right. Take a sip. All right, next thing we need to do is we need to just flat out expect God to show up. This is so cool. So there's a song I've been listening to recently. It's called Miracle in the Works. And here are a couple of the lyrics starts off it says some may say it's hopeless they must have never met my god some may say it's over but it was finished on the cross some may say it's broken but the healer's in the room some may say it's hopeless but i know that god's about to move and if you listen to it it's a great song miracle in the works Put it, Get it on your Spotify. Um, you know, it goes on talking about how there is a miracle in the works and how despite what we see, God hasn't given up on us. Revival is coming. We don't see it, but we know it. We can expect God to move because he's moved before. We can spe- expect God to show up and deliver on his promises because he's been doing it for centuries. God's got a solid track record of showing up, which is why Paul is able to say, you need to live a life of expectancy. He calls us to this in Romans 8, and I think the message version captures it so well. I was listening to this on a walk a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, oh my gosh, that is it. This is it. He says in Romans 8, starting in verse 15, this resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. And if we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. Living like it's all true, it frees us up to be adventurously expectant all the time in every circumstance, right? So expect that when you pray, God is going to respond. Expect that when you live in obedience to things he's called you to do, you will thrive. Expect that when you read your Bible, the time spent with God will change you. Maybe not right away, but surely along the way. Expect that when you persevere in faith through trials and crises and seasons of doubt and unmet expectations, that in light of eternity, those troubles are small and fleeting and nothing because Romans 18, 18, 8, 18 says compared to the joy and the glory that is coming. So living like God is real means expecting him to show up and show off. And then when something crazy cool happens, that only God could have done, you get the privilege of like running to somebody and grabbing them by the shoulders and saying, it's all true. Like, it's all true. Like, I mean, I kind of thought it was, but then like he did this thing and everything that he asked me to do was leading to this thing and it's all true. And then it's such a fun place to be. All right, so if we're gonna become like children first, right, then we're gonna expect God to show up. And we're also going to need to put fear in perspective. I think one of the biggest challenges we face in living like it's all true is the temptation to live shut down by fear. And the reason temptation is so strong to fear is because of how easy it is in 2023 to constantly consume fearful messages. You know, what I notice about the most anxious, stuck, fearful, shut-down people in my life is how they fill their minds with so very much news and social media and negativity that honestly... (laughs) Their fear just continues to grow while their view of God shrinks. So they're filling their minds with all this stuff that they have no control over, by the way. And it's just a machine. It's just the fear just keeps growing and then their view of God is shrinking. And because their fear has crowded out their view of God, they don't have a clear line of sight to who God is calling them to be and what he's calling them to do. Their fear has paralyzed them to a point where they spend their days acting like victims who can't possibly cause trouble for hell because everywhere they look, it appears as if the devil is winning, all the while forgetting that they have access to the same power that already defeated the devil in the first place. When you fill your mind, with all this stuff, life gets really confusing because you can't hear God. There's just not room for all the fear and all the God. So putting our fear in perspective means shrinking it under the white hot light of truths like Ryan last week drew our attention to. Now, you were supposed to put it on a mirror and read it every day, so we're gonna read it together to see if you were paying attention. All right, so let's put up John, 1 John 4, 4, and let's read it together. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. We are not victims or scaredy cats, church. We belong to God. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Yay. So, if life right now for you feels really scary, really confusing, frustrating, or hopeless, because you find yourself constantly worried about things out in the world that you really can't control, I want you to take some time to put fear in perspective by first taking stock of how often in your day you are allowing yourself to be bombarded with fearful messages and then consider what it might look like to rein that in and redeem that time. What I'm not telling you is to turn a blind eye to all the things. The Bible does not call us to do that, right? The Bible does not call us to build a hedge around ourselves and block ourselves off from everything that's going on in the world. But it does tell us multiple times to be self-controlled and sober-minded, right? The Apostle Peter says, preparing our minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. It is very, very hard to set our hope fully on grace and our minds on things above while marinating in mainstream media. It just is. We cannot serve two masters. So let's instead be people whose view of God is bigger than our view of the fears that keep us up at night. All right, finally, to live like it's all true, I'm going to need you to get a little weird with me. All right? I'm going to need you to get a little weird with me and leave a note. Okay. So as most of you know, our oldest son, Landon, um, is up in Flagstaff um, in his first semester of college. Mm -hmm. He'll be back on Thanksgiving weekend playing up here. So he misses you all very much. Um, He does. He's like, I miss playing. And so he'll be, he'll be back. Um, Anyway, so I was up there and I, we were up there for family weekend. I went up a day early and I was able to have lunch with Landon and just kind of hear about what's going on in his life. And honestly, every word out of this child's mouth is a miracle. Like God is doing some really amazing things um, in and through him. And uh, at one point he started telling me the story about how he's like, you know, God put this thing on my heart and like I didn't really know it like, where did that come from and so I started praying about it and then the next morning like I got this text from this person and then he connected me with that person and then I got to go do this thing and then that happened and then I read about this in this book and then and he just was like on and on and on like in the span of two days all of these things started confirming for Landon what God had put on his heart and he looked at me and he's like I've never experienced anything like that like, that was God. That's, that's, that was God. And my first question to him after listening to him tell this story was not, are you sure? <laughs> no, my, my question to him was like, have you written it down? Have you written all of that down? You know, I encouraged him to document that entire series of events in a journal, in the notes app on his phone, on the napkin, literally, that he had just wiped his face with. I'm like, whatever you got to do, write it down because time has a way of erasing details. And Landon, you're going to need to remember this. When you face seasons of difficulty or discernment or doubt or confusion, you're going to want to look back and see that time in your freshman year of college over those two days in September when he just connected the dots for you. You know, any of us who've lived, you know, longer than 18 years, right, we know the very few things remain fixed in our minds <laughs> for the long term, Right? So when we notice God's faithfulness, when he shows off in a big way that makes us turn to our friend or to our spouse or to our own reflection in the mirror and say, whoa, it's all true. We would be wise to leave our future selves a note about it. I do that with this. So I... uh, this is a line-of-day journal. Anyone know? Anyone have one of these? Yeah, okay. So this is a perfect time. Not an ad. We're not paid for this. But this is a really good time of year to get one, right, at the start of the new year. Um, this line-of-day journal is super cool because it has a space for five years. So every day it has a space where you can write um, one line or a couple sentences that happened that day. And what's neat about it, and... Funny enough, I started this one in 2020, so I can look at the top line and see what was going on in 2020, 21, 22 every day when I wake up to record what's going on in here. And you know, sometimes it's like really mundane things. Sometimes it's a quote or something I've heard. Um, I mean, sometimes it's super boring, <laughs> but other times it is truly recording something cool that God has done or shown me or a prayer that's been answered. And I just get to look through it year after year after year. And so that's the way I do it. Um, I keep track of it in this. Ryan started doing this this year. Evan actually um, has one as well. Um, Highly recommend that, but you don't have to do it that way. Do it however you want. Find that napkin, you know, use your notes app, but do something, okay? Do something so that you can look back and go, whoa, I forgot about that. And uh, it's just, it's really encouraging. And so I want to quickly draw your attention before we finish up today to another journal entry of sorts. Um, In Psalm 77, King David, he's like clearly going through some things. And he starts the Psalm by like lamenting and wrestling with questions and frustrations. And he's asking God things like, Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never be kind to me again? In, is his unfailing love gone forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has, have his promises permanently failed? Has he slammed the door on compassion? And then in verse 11, he says, But then, but then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds from long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts, and I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. He goes on to list what some of those mighty works are, and unsurprisingly, his outlook shifts. His view of God gets big again. So leave yourself notes. Leave notes for other people. Think often about what he has done for you and for others As you've gone about your life, it's putting one foot in front of the other and follow Jesus, as Eugene Peterson says, in a long obedience in the same direction toward him. Because everything he's promised you, everything he's done, it's all true. You don't wanna forget it. You know, the more I thought about how I wanted to close our time together today, the weirder I felt about having the last word up here, even though clearly I'm wired to want to. You know, instead, I want to draw our ears and our hearts back to the last recorded words of Jesus. You know, a lot of people think his last words were, it is finished, and that would be true, except he wasn't finished. Three days later, he rose, and then he appeared and spent time as the resurrected king with his disciples. And right before he left them to go into heaven, he gave them what we call the Great Commission. And these words, they're our marching orders. They are honestly the measure of by which we know if we actually are spending our lives living like everything we know about Jesus is true. So I'm gonna read them now, and I just want you to kind of reflect on like, am I living out the Great Commission? And if I'm not, can I put any of these things that we talked about today into play to help me kind of move along closer to Jesus? Let's pray. Jesus, your ways and your words and your life, is they are so much brighter and bigger than we give them credit for, Lord. We are sorry for getting so distracted sometimes in the details of being a human person, In this broken world, that we forget the size of your love and your glory and your plans to give us a future and a hope with you. I pray that as we go into our week, that we wouldn't be afraid to live like it's true. We wouldn't be afraid to hope for heaven. We wouldn't be afraid to see you show up and do things that we've asked you for and that we couldn't have even thought to ask you for. God, we fight a battle daily to believe and to follow and to obey, but we know that where obedience is, there is thriving. And we want to thrive Thank you for putting us here, but not leaving us here. Thank you for the hope and the love and the grace that we get to carry into our homes, into our schools, into our jobs, into our communities. Thank you for commissioning us to play a part in all of this. And thank you for giving us the power and the authority to do so. So God, may we receive the gift of grace and quite honestly, the gift of that commission like children excited, excited about it, excited about you and about this life that you have given us to live. Amen.